You are listening to The Clambake, a KBGA podcast. With your host, Madeline Broom. Thanks for tuning in to KBGA Missoula 89.9. My name is Madeline Broom, and I am the host of KBGA's newest podcast, The Clambake. Join us every week for important conversations with community members. We'll be talking about Missoula and the university's most pressing issues on this show. Today, we are talking about the upcoming ASUM elections. ASUM is the university's student government and funds everything from student groups and ASUM childcare to your favorite radio station, KBGA. Just over a week ago, I sat down with Morgan Hahn and Emma Kiefer, who are running for ASUM president and vice president. We talked about their platform goals and how they're going to get it all done. Later, we'll listen to my conversation with Taylor Gregory and James Flanagan, who are also running for ASUM president and vice president. We discussed how the pandemic has influenced their campaign and how, despite that, they plan to reach out to students. This is the second episode in a two-part series airing before the ASUM elections on April 22nd and 23rd. All students can vote through the UMontana app available on Android and in the Apple Store. Thanks so much for listening. Now, here's my conversation with Morgan and Emma. Can you guys just um, start up by introducing yourselves? I'm from Polson, Montana. I'm a second-year comm studies um, major and business administration minor. I had originally started as political science at another college um, and came to the University of Montana and Missoula College to study organizational communication and marketing. I'm running for ASUM president and committed to leading um, our student government. We want to create a shared vision with our campus community and cr- increase financial opportunities so more students can find meaningful income while they're in college. Great. Um, and I am Emma Kiefer. I'm a senior here at UM. I'm studying environmental studies and political science with a minor in climate change studies. Um, and I'm a prospective EVST grad student. I'm originally from Bend, Oregon, where I live with my mom and dad and two cats. Um, I came to UM wanting to study uh, media arts originally and then eventually moved into environmental studies and have just really found my home there. And I'm running for ASUM because I really want to better advocate for sustainability and accessibility on our campus. Those are really important issues that I feel have historically been underserved and undercovered and I would really like to be able to have a role where I can further advocate for those issues. And just to clarify, Emma, you perspective, you have been like accepted and you're planning on being a grad student or I guess maybe things have gotten complicated with, you know, the pandemic and everything. Um, I know some people recently got their decision letters. Yeah, so um, I didn't make the decision to apply to the EVST grad program until February and the deadline was in January 15th so I missed the original deadline um my advisor Dan Spencer um he told me to go ahead and apply anyway and so I did and basically I'm on hold right now so if someone declines their offer um me and other students are up for those spots um no matter what though I will figure out a way to be a UM student because I love UM and I don't want to leave this community so even if that grad program doesn't work out at first, um, I will figure out another way to be a student here. Okay. 
So do you guys want to go into and maybe describe what you see as the role of president and vice president, especially highlighting how like the average student might come in contact or be, you know, served by ASUM executives? So yeah, ASUM is really unique in the scheme of governance systems across college campuses in the U.S. Um, It is truly really uncommon for universities to allow this level of shared governance to occur. Most universities will let their students voice some opinions and that kind of is the limit of student government. Here we're really uniquely situated because we have a large budget that we allocate to student groups um, and agencies every year. I think the main way that students would come into contact with ASUM is probably through ASUM transportation, the Renner Center, the food pantry. Um, All of those services are probably where students would have the first contact unless they were also in a student group. That's where they would have contact. But Morgan, you can add on to that. The roles of ASUM president and vice president, to echo what Emma said, are are unique. We do have discretionary control over our funds. We do have fiscal policy that govern us and how how those funds can be spent, but we aren't beholden to another power that that guides us in that way. We do have have a lot of power in that regard. Um, One of the most important things that our student government does are assigning students to committees and boards. We're also very lucky that we get a seat at the table with a lot of our shared governance and a lot of the decisions that are made on our campus community. So I, I see our roles as very crucial to foster the right students and make sure that they know that those opportunities are out there for them to um, serve in this role, because it's, it's really, really quite amazing what you learn. Can you describe maybe the shared uh, governance a little bit more and then also go into committees? Because I think unless you're involved with ASUM, you know, or like a close friend of a senator or something like that, I think most people are unaware of the kind of complex structure that exists sure. in the university. Yeah. Well, to touch on the shared governance part, there there's three pillars to the university shared governance system. Um, there's faculty senate, there's staff senate, and then there's student senate ASUM. Um, we all play distinct roles. Um, The way that the committees are organized, each of those bodies have committees under them as well. And staff, faculty, and and students all sort of serve interchangeably in that regard. So for ASUM committees, we do have some of our pillars, which are the Relations and Affairs Committee, for instance, and the Board and Budget and Finance, Um, but then also the Student Political Action Committee, the Bitterroot and Missoula College Affairs Committee, the Sustainability Committee, which Senator Kiefer serves on. Um, But then we also serve interchangeably on several um, faculty committees. I'm on the University Library Committee, which is a faculty senate committee. Um, But then also there's temporary committees when there's hiring committees for deans or for high-level positions at the university that ASUM senators are involved in. There's hundreds, hundreds of different committees that students have the chance to serve on. So committees are not only a great way for Uh, students to get involved, but it's also a great way for them to learn experience and really better understand the higher education system and what is going on behind the scenes that students likely don't see every day, especially with Dean search committees and hiring committees. That's a really intricate and complex and really interesting process that it would be great to have more students involved on those committees and student voices, again, on community or Student voices on university committees are pretty rare. You have to get the right type of student in on them. 
but I think it's a great way for students to hone in on their interests, whether that be through International Council or Zero Waste or Student Political Action. There's so many options for students to get involved. And if I could echo on that as well, the, the Dean Search Committees in particular, some of these positions are filled by people that, that serve in those roles, roles for decades. So student involvement and a student voice at the table is incredibly important because some of these folks could be in their role for a long time and they can have a lasting effect on the way that the university um, is formed and structured. So it's very important for student voices to be heard. And then can you maybe go into like why you decided to run? I know there's a bunch of senators and not, not all of them run. Um, so I guess what kind of drew you to um, to decide that and then go into like why you decided to run together. Being the leader of ASUM puts you in a unique position to engage and speak with students. Um, my idea of leadership has been formulated from an early age. My parents instilled in me that leadership should be ethical and, and, and you should speak for the people that you're representing. Um, I, I will work tirelessly, tirelessly, empathetically, compassionately to advocate for students. Um, being in that role allows um, us to take bold action on the issues that are important to us. Sustainability is one of them for Senator Kiefer and I, as well as fostering diversity and inclusion. Um, but also we recognize that these are unique times and we wanna acknowledge that this is a stressful time for students as well. The COVID-19 pandemic, um, this has been one of the most distressing events to higher education in modern history. Um, I just read, yesterday that over 2,000 campuses across the country have been closed and 18 million students have been impacted. So um, at UM, many students, including myself, are, are worried about the future. And I think that this is a time when ASUM needs strong and experienced leaders. Um, I'll go into mine. So I decided to run for ASUM as a senator when I was studying abroad. Um, and I did my whole campaign remotely, so I guess I, I guess I do have a little bit of experience in online campaigning. Um, but yeah, my study abroad experience was really valuable, and less than one percent of UM students get to study abroad, and that experience led me to wanting to be more involved in my home community. I ended up missing home a lot more than I thought I would. And it had just really been a result of me seeing problems with the university over the years that I had been there. Since freshman year, we've had three different presidents of the university. We've had a lot of people leave. We've had a lot of job changes. And I really wanted to finally get more involved in it. And ASUM was the most accessible way for me to do that. Um, I wasn't even aware that I could have been an SAL. I just immediately jumped into wanting to be a senator, but yeah. Um, and then I decided to run with Morgan because he's he's just the best option, quite honestly. Um, I I haven't seen other students as committed to leadership and so getting so worked up and passionate about issues sometimes it can be a little much but um it's really nice to have someone to lean off of and have have these like really important conversations about issues that are happening on our campus and yeah it's it, he's he's just the only person that i would really want to see myself running with and someone who i know genuinely cares about these issues. We've talked a lot in the past about 
this job not just being a line on a resume because a lot of students will just do this so it looks good on a resume which it does but there's there's a lot of um, influence and power that we're uniquely situated to have and I really want to be sure that whoever is leading ASUM is using this power properly and not not just doing it to better themselves but to really better the entire campus community. And if I could just jump in on that, Emma, um, when Emma had decided to apply for the grad program for my environmental studies, that, that was a moment where we did sort of um, start saying, well, do we want to lead ASUM? And Emma's, Emma's tenacity and Emma's drive and passion for sustainability is incredibly inspiring. And this is something that's pat that is very close to both of our hearts. And I find her to be incredibly dedicated and incredibly sharp, and will be one of will be the best vice presidential candidate is. So, do you want to uh, maybe dive into the tenets of your platform? I know sustainability is a pre pretty big one. It's come up already in conversations. Um, well, I can just list out our top campaign issues from our platform. We have quite a few of them, and there's. I think it's adequate since there's quite a few issues on our campus that need to be dealt with. Um, so I'll just list them off. First, we have adapting to the impacts of COVID-19, advocating for sustainability, fostering diversity and inclu inclusivity. I cannot say that word. <laughs> um, increase financial opportunities for students and promoting campus accessibility. And so my work largely at UM has been with uh, sustainability and accessibility. I work with DSS as a co-testing coordinator Although our offices are closed right now, we are we still have to carry out federal law. Um, so we are still like providing modifications for students and everything. But with me for sustainability, I've created this Green Campus Initiative outline. It really has come out of my experiences with a rather disjointed sustainability effort on our campus. Um, it's really hard for students to know where our university is headed unless they're serving on all these different committees, whether that be ASUM Sustainability, ASUM Zero Waste, Sustainable Campus Committee, CRELF. I mean, there's a ton of things going on and it's great that we're having so much involvement, but it can get really lost and it can be a burden to students to have to be serving on all these different committees to just know what's happening. And so the Green Campus Initiative focuses on six key areas for sustainability consolidation at UM. And these include setting an infrastructure, energy and climate change, waste, water, transportation, education and research. Um, and I have a lot more to say about all of those because I've been working on this for quite a while, but. Yeah, I guess I have some questions maybe that can help guide the conversation. I was out of the country, so I did not cover the last race for ASUM, but I did cover the previous one. And just looking back at my familiarity with uh, previous campaigns, um, you two both seem to have a lot more, like a lot of plans that you're bringing with you and a pretty well fleshed out campaign. And specifically when I was looking at the Green Campus Initiative, um, I thought, you know, this is a lot to get done. How will you do everything, especially mm -hmm. in, um, in one year? And I think this is a common conversation, you know, amongst students because um, our time everywhere seems to be 
quite finite and um and a year is not really that much time to make massive changes so I don't know if you um have kind of thought about how you're going to um going to be able to accomplish everything and if people want to look at that green campus initiative it is um on your website for people if people want to pull that up yeah yeah mm -hmm. no that's a that's absolutely a great question um a year is not very much time to get anything done and to say that we will deliver on every single item um, would probably be naive but it's about starting the groundwork and it's about laying the foundation um making these taking these agreements that we've entered into. We signed the Telwa agreement 18 years ago this month, which commits UM to sustainability and explicitly dedicates it to um, creating more sustainable environment. We don't feel our university has been holding up to that agreement. So part of what we would instrument within that year's time is to hold the university accountable and lay the groundwork and foundation to carry this forward. Yeah, and additionally, I. I don't intend for this to be a one year and done project. I think this is going to take multiple years to initiate to get people on board with it. It's a big plan and I will give myself that, that it's quite ambitious. However, I think it's drastically needed. The university failed to meet its 2020 carbon neutrality goal and it's clear that those plans need to be reassessed our climate action plan of 2010 clearly needs to be reassessed. And the thing with the Green Campus Initiative is it is one of the strongest efforts to try and keep sustainability on the list of priorities for administrators, for staff, for students, for faculty. Because with COVID-19, this is all anybody is talking about. And it's gonna be really, really easily it's going to be really easy for sustainability to just fall off the board. And so maybe this is a super bold plan, but I think it's what we have to do in order to keep sustainability alive on our campus. And it, it is a bold plan, but it will, it will definitely require action. And being leaders and being able to try and synergize several of the efforts that are going around with other groups um, to create one voice would be the goal. So do you see the plan and maybe uh, your role in uh, implementing this plan if elected is kind of to be a connector of people? Because I would agree with Emma just from my um, experience on campus and being a journalist on campus, um, there is a lot of stuff going on when it comes to sustainability. Um, and I find, you know, we are a big enough campus that we don't always know when similar projects to ours are being done. Um, and so we don't know how, uh, you know, students or, you know, just the campus community in general doesn't necessarily know how to combine those efforts together. Yeah, so I think my role as ASUM vice president would likely extend beyond the outline roles in our bylaws of like you oversee committees, you orient new senators. I intend for it to be much more than that. I, I will really be pushing for sustainability at every level that I am able to as a vice president. Um, and there's been a lot of um, talks with other students that we've had and they have suggested great ideas to involve communities of excellence or involve students in the climate change studies minor or in the introduction class 
to serve as people who would help make the Green Campus Initiative a reality because obviously something like this requires people who are really engaged and passionate about the issue. You can't have people who are just randomly assigned when they get in Senate and they don't really know what it is and they don't really care. Like you need people who know what's going on, who care about sustainability and who genuinely want to get things done. And I think tapping into these different communities that are already focusing on sustainability on our campus is going to be one of the major ways we get that done. Yeah, to, to echo the, qu the question, we certainly are connectors. The role of ASUM president and vice president is, is to represent students and connect them to those resources. But I think we're also communicators. I think that a big part of ASUM is outreaching to students and marketing to students. Um, and that's definitely somewhere we could see improvement. I want to move on um, to kind of the next tenant that you have up on your website, which is foster diversity and inclusion. So this also talks about, you know, creating forums and dialogue sessions. And it seems to be kind of a theme of your platform um, that you guys are planning on taking on maybe a lot more responsibilities than, um, you know, as Emma kind of mentioned, than are maybe included in the in the quote job description. Every every leader gets to to sort of form their own role um, and, and represent students and, and, and see what see what they're passionate about. Um, you know, as it says in our platform, we, we do want to champion justice and equality and equity on this campus. And and we both find that there are students that have been un, underrepresented, marginalized and their voices haven't been heard. Um, one thing that we want to incorporate on the ASUM side is implementing implicit bias training into our fall and summer retreats. So that knowledge and that awareness can be extended to senators as we're making these decisions and trying to represent all groups on campus. But I think it's also important to um, have, the, like you mentioned, dialogue forums, have opportunities where students can come to ASUM and have a discussion. Um, we do have our meetings every Wednesday, which, which are helpful and, and students can deliver public comment. But that doesn't give us an opportunity to have um, a lot of exchanges, a lot of cultural exchanges and learn from other people. And I think that'd be something that Emma and I would both be much more interested in to be listeners to students. Yeah, and going off of that, we have a Qualtrics form up right now. It's a student feedback form. And we've already had about eight different responses from that asking about all different issues on campus. And I think something as simple as a survey can be a great way to gauge where people's concerns are. There's a lot of different issues that matter to university students, whether that's free speech, uh, campus concealed carry, sustainability, indigenous rights, environmental justice. I mean, there's so many different things that you can work on. And the way I see it is we are not supposed to be speaking on behalf of marginalized students. Rather, we should be able to create a platform where students feel comfortable, like truly comfortable coming to Senate or talking with us personally. It can be really daunting to stand up in front of 20 some people and say your comment. And that can be a real barrier for some students. Also, no one really likes meeting at 6 p.m. on a Wednesday which not that we can change that, but it is, it is just another barrier to students who maybe have to work or have evening classes. And so I think it's really important to not just open up the communication um, pathways for students, but also 
just for students to genuinely know that their student government cares about them and that the people doing this are not like cold and shut off and people want people want you here is basically my thing even though we're all apart right now students need to know that they will always have a home at um and asum is a huge part of making that happen yeah and i wonder um i think um getting to know new people it seems um you know while we are all um you know socially social distancing <laughs> um so have you uh talked about maybe and strategized about how to um you know during your campaign time um making yourself more familiar to to students because right now it seems to me that most of our only resources um, are social media and we're really lacking um, that in-person um, informal time um, mm -hmm. that campaigns may have gotten um, were we still um, on campus. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say this again, like this is a unique time to reach students and communicate with students without being able to have that personal contact. Um, Emma and I are planning to hold weekly Zoom sessions. We're getting that going to have that posted to social media today or tomorrow. Um, we're still figuring out the scheduling, but an opportunity where students can come, like, like open office hours via Zoom, can come and ask questions and get the opportunity to know us a little bit better. Um, but, but yeah, we have to get creative. We absolutely have to get creative to try and reach students because um, these are unique times. Uh, oh, sorry, you can go, Emma. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, yeah, having the Zoom meetings is definitely important. It is just a really weird time to be campaigning all online. Um, it's, there's a certain limit for students on social media. At a certain point, people are not gonna wanna hear it anymore. People are gonna tune off to it. Um, so it is, it is a unique time, but I think, I think if we do it correctly, students will wanna listen and there are going to be students who want to talk to us who usually would have talked to us on campus. So we're hoping to make ourselves as accessible as possible. We're always available over email or Zoom or through the Qualtrics survey. And yeah. Um, so looking forward um, to when we are hopefully back on campus next fall um, and, you know, under the hypothetical that you have been um, elected, how do you plan on encouraging that more informal um communication because i think once you get to know where say the asum office is and you get to know some senators um or maybe the executive team um it doesn't seem so daunting to go um in there and be like hey can you chat but i think a lot of people um you know i think we'd all be surprised by how many people don't realize where the asum office is um and don't know how to make use of the resources that are there. So how do you plan on um, kind of letting students know that you are there? I think to jump in, right, um, we need a comprehensive strategic marketing and outreach plan. Um, ASU and bylaws actually require that you, you create a short-term plan for the academic year that you're serving, but then also a long-term plan. Um, ASUM hasn't developed one in a while, um, a few creative ideas that Senator Kiefer and I have discussed is doing office hours on the Oval and as president and vice president, giving students the opportunity and passing to come in and, and access us outside of the office. 
but also those dialogue sessions and going back, I, I definitely want to have those for explicitly diversity, but, but for a range of topics. Um, we have the legislative session where we want to get more qualitative and anecdotal data from students telling us what's important to them and what issues they want us to fight for them in, in Helena. Um, and have those opportunities advertised and more open to students, whether they're in the UC or on the Oval, just that we can, that we can talk to folks. Yeah, and going off of that, I think the ASUM offices can be pretty daunting the first time you go in. Everyone's kind of tucked back in their little corners and you can get lost in that little hallway back there. Um, yeah, I agree with making office hours on the Oval. I think as weather permits, that would be a great way to get students out there, but also just increasing our tabling opportunities, increasing class wraps. We had a really difficult time getting class wraps accomplished this year. And I think it's really important for students to be going first into their own classes and explaining just to their peers like what ASUM is, why why you should care about it, and what other opportunities are there for involvement if you want to be involved. Um, yeah, I would I would love to make ASUM seem more welcoming because I know a lot of students don't know what's going on and don't really know why they should care. Um, well, I guess maybe diving a little bit more into um, into why people should care. Um, I'm really interested in talking about, um, and it, Morgan, it seems like this is maybe something you've um, you've kind of championed the um, the increasing financial opportunities for students. Um, because in looking back at um, you know recent uh, platforms for different uh, teams that have ran for the for the executive. Uh, you know, as executives, I wasn't really sure how I should phrase that, but um, this isn't necessarily one that I I think I remember seeing, so I'd love um, for you to kind of like dive into that and maybe describe some of your goals and with that and sure. like what you're looking to achieve. Well, a lot of my experience with my employment at UM has been working with the UM Financial Education Program, and I've seen the power that having that financial knowledge and awareness award students, how much it helps with recruitment, how much it helps with student retention. Um, I wanna build on that and promote more ways to deliver counseling and assistance to students. Um, I think another thing that we can improve on is our scholarship platform. And as ASUM president, that's something that I would really like to lobby for. Students fill out the general application and then it sort of goes dark. Like you don't get any follow-up communications. Implementing just more communication strategies so students are aware of what's going on because you can't it's it's tough to go to school, especially for for lower income like you usually are dependent on borrowing quite a bit of money in order to make it possible and and there's a lot of dangers to that without the education and the knowledge of how to do it. Um, one thing that we've created in ASUM this year is an emergency fund. There's a lot of research and a lot of studies that have showed that if a student can get just that little bit of support that they need when rent is due, or when their car payment's due, or when they need to get supplies, that keeps them in school. That keeps them in school rather than it being a house of cards that all could come tumbling down. So providing more information to students and the scholarships that are available, we have scholarship opportunities for students where the money is just sitting there and it's not being accessed because the students don't know that those um, are available. 
So as ASUM president, that's something that I would really fight for and really lobby for to streamline and synergize those efforts so students know that those resources are there. I'm muted, sorry. Um, <laughs> also going, going off of that, as I've said, going off of that like 30 times now. Um, I can also just edit right up to your answer. Okay, great. <laughs> Love editing. Great. Love <laughs> editing. Okay. Yeah, so it's also really important that students have access to resources such as the UM Food Pantry. Um, I spent last semester volunteering there, and it's a really important resource on this campus that we didn't have a year ago. And just having both the ASUM Renner Center and the UM Food Pantry, that's now an ASUM agency, it's, it is so beyond important for students to have food and housing. It's not some rite of passage for college students to be food and housing insecure, even though we make the jokes of the broke college student who eats ramen all the time. It's not okay. It's, it's a really serious issue. UM students face a lot of housing insecurity and food insecurity. If you look at all the real college survey reports, we have statistically higher rates of food and housing insecurity than other campuses on the US. And that's, that's just not acceptable. Um, and, and last thing, Senator Kiefer and I don't believe that students should have to go without food and without housing to get an education. Mm -hmm. And we need to bolster and grow the resources we have for them. I know, um, you know, as a journalist uh, on campus or just as a student, um, it can be pretty hard to reach people. Um, and so, um, you know, all of the things that we've talked about so far, um, you know, I actually do remember when that ASUM emergency fund was created, um, but I'd actually forgotten about it until I reread your platform. So I know, Morgan, you mentioned the coming up with like a strategic marketing plan, not for just this year, but you know, for like ongoing and stuff. But I guess, have you guys come up with any creative ways? I feel like this is a conversation that, you know, is probably happening in every corner um, of campus, not just with ASUM, but really like reaching people so that they know, um, because I, you know, I'm just thinking, I think I know some people who probably would have benefited from the emergency fund, but if you don't know the right things to put into Google or you don't know where to look on the website, um, sometimes sometimes you miss a Facebook post and so you don't you don't hear about it if you're not involved. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it, it feels like the websites for the university are a labyrinth where there's so many different pages and resources, um, but it's it, it's all very difficult for students to access. Um, I definitely agree with that. But um, going back to the marketing and outreach plan that I had discussed earlier, we do need to, to develop new ways. Um, there hasn't been a really comprehensive strategic plan since enrollment has declined as much as it has, and since our student body has, has changed as much as it has. And I think that culture really needs to be taken into account here that you know a lot of our students are from other states and they're coming into a new community and a new environment. So perhaps not always operating that um, all folks understand um, the community here, a big part of that, again, is just marketing and outreach and developing new solutions to reach people. And then I guess we'll, we can go into the last tenant that uh, you both have on the website, which is promoting campus accessibility. And I guess I do want to just mention that um, 
I mean, we've used the word accessibility um, in this conversation and I've used them in previous specifically ASUM conversations about um, using the word accessibility as just being, you know, like reachable mm -hmm. and stuff, but we are looking a little bit more of, um, you know, like physical accessibility of like just even being able to get into a building on campus mm -hmm. um, or being able to access your classes. So I do, I guess, give people listening just a little bit of context for what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've worked with DSS for a few years at UM, and that experience has given me a lot of insight to the struggles that students with disabilities face. Um, one of the things that's important to note with accessibility is it's a kind of umbrella term for just the ability for a person to function within their environment. And it seems really simple and basic, but it is a civil right under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And the way I have seen this university function is that students who could be accessing resources through D DSS are simply not doing that, whether, it be, whether it's because of stigma or it's because they don't think that they qualify for services or they don't really know what the office can do for them. There's just a lot of students missing out on these really valuable resources. And then in terms of physical accessibility, from my experience with students who use motorized chairs or wheelchairs, there's a lot of really old buildings on this campus and there are a lot of elevators that break down and that literally stops them from being able to go into their classroom. And while that is a bigger issue of our buildings and their age on campus, it's accessibility is a baseline. It is a civil right. We can't be pushing that aside. And when I talk about accessibility, I think about why other students should care. And students with disabilities are less likely to graduate college. They're less likely to graduate from even high school. They're less likely to be employed after high school or after college and get a bachelor's degree. And nearly one in five people in the US have some type of um, physical, emotional, mental disability. And students most likely know people who have utilized DSS as services, and we're not talking about it because there's so much stigma behind it. And so I have a lot of suggestions for ASUM to improve on this. One of the first being providing captioning on Senate videos. We have the live stream and that's great, but when you're looking back on those videos, if you don't know what people are saying and you're looking on the minutes, sometimes meetings can get really long. The quality of the minutes goes down. Um, it's just really important that that's a baseline. And then reformatting our governing documents and reformatting any documents that students use to fill out for funding requests, they all need to be fillable PDFs. We shouldn't have students needing to print out documents and type handwrite them in and then scan them back. It's just ridiculous. And then we also need to serve as a promotion platform for services like Sonascent and Read and Write, both completely free services, all available to UM students, and they have no idea that they exist. Um, and I can keep going on, but I've, I've lots and lots of thoughts on this and like lots of things that I really want ASUM to improve on and to have senators be knowledgeable about when they come into ASUM. 
The first step is kind of, um, as you just mentioned, educating senators. So is that another thing you imagine, um, like including in a retreat? I know you do at least one or two every year. Mm -hmm. We get the opportunity as leaders, as, as president and vice president, if we're elected to, to set the tone and the, the programming for that. And ex educating more senators about accessibility and, and implicit bias was another thing that we mentioned. Um, but to go, to go back also on what Emma said for accessibility, I also um, think with a lot of adult learners that we have come to our campus and a lot of non-traditional students who may not be as tech savvy, um, accessibility needs to be considered in that regard. And also in light of COVID-19, so many of the burdens that this has placed on students that they don't have accessibility in a remote world has really illustrated how some of university policies are outdated and, and could use updates. Mm -hmm. How do you imagine, um, you know, the workload of, for example, um, reformatting all of the, the forms and um, the things that are on that are on the ASUM portion um, of UM's website, um, because while that is you know good work that needs to be done, you know we want screen readers to be able to to easily read everything and different things like that. But that also takes a lot of work and time. So how do you how do you foresee that? Because it always seems difficult to me for ASUM to take on more responsibilities, because you know. It is full-time students uh, doing all of that work. Yeah, so my idea with this is that we incorporate this into senators' office hours. This will obviously be a long process of reformatting these PDFs. I think the easiest place to start is reformatting the budgeting requests or stuff like that because students use that more often than they might read the bylaws or the house rules. And having senators spend 15 minutes a week reformatting some documents, I feel is a pretty appropriate use of time given that office hours have been really hard to enforce and also really hard to make sure that people are doing their work. So I feel like just having some of that work be put into office hours is a good way to start. Um, I also expect to personally have more time as a as a prospective graduate student, I would only be taking nine credits, three classes, and I've traditionally managed a severe course load while at UM, so I anticipate that I will have more time to devote to ASUM than I even do right now as a senior. So that's the majority of my questions, um, so I was going to kind of open it up if there's anything you would like to talk about that we have that I haven't covered um, or just anything you'd like to add. Well I, I definitely want to emphasize that Emma and I do take this very seriously and ASUM students are going to require experienced leadership in the days ahead. Um, my first senate meeting that I had I opened with a quote um, from Margaret Mead the anthropologist that um, never doubt what a small group of thoughtful and committed citizens can do to change the world because indeed it's the only thing that ever and it, it takes these small steps um, to, to be involved, to be involved and, and to do your part. Yeah, I would, I would also like to emphasize um, mental health and sexual assault prevention and awareness. Those are two topics very near and dear to my heart. Um, 
I've seen a lot of different different attitudes about mental health and sexual assault on this campus in the years that I've been here. Um, just the stigmas that students face with mental health is really just heartbreaking and difficult for me as someone who's dealt with mental health and used Curry services. That was the first time I was really able to get counseling in my life. And I know that that's a lot of the same case for students. And I believe that the more we talk about these issues and are open about them, we're creating a better campus community. Maybe me saying, oh yeah, I go to therapy is not the most um, fun thing to say, but it, it is honest. And I think students want to know that they have leadership who is honest. And both Morgan and I are currently on the campus leadership task force. And it's, it's a crazy complex and intricate evaluation of all of UM's policies on sexual misconduct. Um, we, had, we had a one hour meeting and our subcommittee was tasked with about 17 pages of questions and we only got through one page within our first hour um so it's i mean we're we're really involved on that task force and making sure that um sexual misconduct policies are being updated and being clarified and that students have an easier time when they do need to file a report and when they do need to access resources on our campus I guess I do kind of want to go into a little bit um, about how, besides campaigning, you know, during a pandemic, how do you think that changes the roles of um, president and vice president, you know, assuming that we will be kind of back to a business as usual in the fall? How do you well, see that changing the roles or influencing them? I, I will say that the, the incoming ASUM president and vice president will take their role on April 29th. So we would still be in the height of this pandemic um, serving as ASUM leaders. So, you know, I, I think a big part of our role is going to be managing remote operations and, and still working with agency leaders to ensure that we're delivering those services. But that's also going to require a lot of planning for the transition back to um, in-person instruction, which I all hope we, we can get back to soon. Um, so that's definitely going to be a big part of the role of, for Emma and I. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think that this will end anytime soon, unfortunately. And one of the things I think the incoming ASUM president and vice president do need to consider is that we could have a remote fall semester. I'm, I mean, like, I don't want it to be remote, obviously, but there's a real possibility that this extends further than we anticipate, and students are going to keep dealing with the struggles of remote learning. I guess this question is a little bit more, maybe specifically for Morgan, just because the role of president um, is a little bit more outward facing. For those who don't know, a lot of people refer to it as, you know, the president is the outward facing working with, um, you know, the administration yeah. and the vice president is largely tasked with leading the Senate, like specifically in those Wednesday Senate meetings. So Morgan, how do you see your role as like a student advocate, um, you know, with Maine Hall changing as, you know, students might need more support and have more um, complaints 
now, well, maybe not complaints isn't maybe the right way, but you know, they're having more difficulties and more challenges than ever before because, you know, not everyone has um, good internet. Um, my internet was actually down before this Zoom call. I was very worried it wasn't going to happen. Um, and in that usually happens for me about once a day. So sometimes I just get kicked out of class. But, you know, so and like, and, you know, there's from little things like Wi-Fi going out sometimes to like not even having a safe place to, um, to stay for, for this pandemic. Um, so how do you see it changing um, and complicating your role um, as the role of the incoming president as that advocate? Well, the, the ASUM president speaks for the, for the organization and, and they, are, they are the individual who speaks for the student body. Um, the role of ASUM president also serves on the president's cabinet, so you are that, that seat at the table. Um, I have been impacted by this myself. I, I don't have access to a lot of the technology services that I utilize on campus, so I can empathize very much with students and a lot of the stress that they're going through right now. Um, I look at the role of ASUM president as that of a problem solver. It, and it is that individual who is outward looking, but I believe it is very inward looking too in some of the discussions that we've had about bolstering social cohesion within ASUM. I think that the president does have a responsibility and a role um, because I'm gonna rely on a lot of support from ASUM. I'm gonna rely on a lot of support from the Senate. And I think that it's very much a part of my position to engage and, and with, with ASUM senators. Um, but yeah, this is a unique time. This is a time that's going to require a leader who is going to go to the seat in main hall and advocate for these things that students need. Um, university villages, just as one example, many students don't have internet access and they've relied on campus and going to campus. And that's impacted a lot of students and it's also put on a financial burden that they maybe didn't have before having to get internet that they didn't have before. So, you know, again, the, the role of ASUM president is going to require that strong voice, but also that empathy for what students are going through right now to care and have that compassion. Okay. Well, I think, yeah, that is the um, end of my questions. I know I already did this, but I, I'll do it one more time. Um, just if you, either of you have anything you wanna add, if not, then but I thank you for taking the time out of your, um, everyone says we're not busy cause we're all home, but I would beg to differ. We are quite busy. I am just at home all the time being busy. So I thank you for, <laughs> for taking the time. Yeah, well, Maddie, I just I just want to thank you for taking the time to reach out to us and and still making sure that students um, hear from their candidates. I know this is probably tricky and a bit of a burden on you to have to do your job in a different environment, but yeah, I really want to thank you for your service to the university as well. Yeah, normally we'd be um we'd be sitting in a studio on campus in the branch center. Um, and not from our own homes. And um, Emma, I understand you're not even in Montana, so we're we're bridging some distance here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you again for taking time out of your day to do this. A quick note before we listen to my conversation with Taylor and James. Since the recording of this episode, Emma has received an acceptance letter to the Environmental Studies program at the University of Montana. She will be attending next year.
This year portion of KBGA is supported in part by the Roxy Theater. Located on the hip strip at 718 South Higgins Avenue, the Roxy offers new releases, classic titles, 35mm screenings, foreign films, documentaries, matinees, live music, and comedy. The Roxy serves non-alcoholic beverages as well as beer and wine, a variety of candy and organic popcorn. For more information about memberships, festivals, volunteering, and showtimes, visit theroxytheater.org. Another quick note. The resolution authored by James failed in last Wednesday's Senate meeting with 18 people voting against it and two abstaining. In a video posted on the team's Facebook page one day before the vote, James says, quote, I want it to be used as a way to start a conversation on recognition, end quote. And he goes on to say that group inclusivity has long been an issue for ASUM. Thank you again for um, taking the time to sit down with me. Um, and if you could start just by introducing yourselves. So hi, Maddie. My name is Taylor Gregory. I'm a junior from Lolo, Montana. I'm studying international relations and political science at the university. I've been an ASUM senator since my freshman year. So I've sat on three separate um, student government administrations. So been there for a hot second, uh, but beyond ASUM, really active in my fraternity, Sigma Phi Epsilon, Montana Model United Nations. I spent a semester abroad with the Global Leadership Initiative, Davidson Honors College, a couple other activities thrown in there. And I'm really excited to be running for ASUM president. Awesome. And sort of just jumping off of that, um, my name is James Flanagan. I'm a sophomore uh, majoring in communication studies and minoring in philosophy and maybe picking up a minor in nonprofit administration. We're still figuring that part out. Um, I have been a part of ASUM for about two years now. I joined when I was a freshman and I've loved it ever since then. I really love doing the public service aspect of it. Um, outside of ASUM, I do a lot with the University of Montana debate team. Um, that's one of my greatest passions is debate. Uh, just recently, we started a uh, debate circuit for the middle schools through the flagship program, and that has been super fun and super interesting. I've loved working with the kids, um, and I'm super excited to also be running for ASUM vice president. Just so we're kind of all going off the same knowledge base, can you both describe what you view as the roles um, of president and vice president and how you know your the average student might come into contact with someone in those roles for sure so i can start a little bit with the asum president role so the asum president is kind of the student face of the university of montana so the asum president would serve on committees that president would serve on the provost um, the head of um dining committees like that to be the input of the students at the University of Montana on changes that go in place there. Um, but beyond that, they also have a role within ASUM with writing resolutions that can then go up to um, the level that President Bodner is at. And so the way students would come in contact with the ASUM president is if they read about them in the media or right now with um, the COVID-19 crisis, President Belcher has been really active in being the student voice there. So students have read a lot about 
her and the approach that she has with student engagement when it comes to COVID-19. So that's really the role of the president is to be the voice of the students at the real big administration level, um, as well as advocating for student interests at the Board of Regents level, kind of the bigger level in Montana that covers all of the universities. Um, and that's where change goes in place there. So that's really where the president can advocate for student interests. And speaking for the vice president of ASUM, uh, how I view the position is sort of the leader of all of Senate. So any student that's interested in becoming a senator or have any interest in like the Senate meetings, writing a resolution to get sponsored by an ASUM senator would come into contact with the ASUM vice president. Um, on top of that, the ASUM vice president oversees all the committees. Um, so any interaction that a student may have with any committee, um, whether it be sustainability, uh, board on budget and finance, uh, relations and affairs, or anything along the lines of that, they would possibly come into contact with me and I could put them forward in the right direction. Um, the same can be said for students that are interested in serving on these committees as an SAL rather than a full senator. Um, it is my hopes that the ASU and vice president position will start putting on more events um, in the coming years to recruit for these positions, whether it be senator or SAL. Um, to start filling out these committees and get more accurate uh, student representation. Um, and then outside of those uh, responsibilities, I would also just state that the ASUM vice president is a, a speaker for the Senate in terms of trying to get positive and uh, beneficial legislation through ASUM and also on the greater level through Mass and uh, the Board of Regents. So if you guys would then like to talk about why you personally chose to run um, and then why you chose to run together. For sure. James, do you want to start this time? Sure, I'd love to. Um, why I personally chose to run as ASUM vice president is because, um, and you'll hear me reference this uh, narrative multiple times throughout all of our campaign, but when I first applied to be a senator, um, on the application, it asked me something along the lines of, why do you want to become a senator? And the answer that I put is that I wanted to be a medium through which the student body could enact its will through. And I still stand behind that position greatly. And I'm at a point now with the change in administrations where I think that I can best uh, carry out that action, best carry out the will of the students if I were to become the vice president of ASUM. And I believe that I am the best fit for the job and the most qualified for the job. And I, I want to be, I want the position because I feel that coming into the office of vice president will allow me, will allow the student body to get the best representation that it can. And that's something that I'm very passionate about. I was approached to run for the position of vice president by Taylor and um, at first being kind of, uh, to be honest, intimidated by it, by the idea of leading in the ASUM Senate, I was a bit hesitant, but after seeing, one, how experienced Taylor is, and two, how passionate he is about Senate, and not just Senate, but the University of Montana with all the different projects he has through um, SIGEP, through uh, MUN, and all the other groups that he's a part of, I thought that he would make a great president. I think that all of his experience and all of his time in ASUM has just been leading to this point where he can lead ASUM and lead our student body. Such kind words. Um, 
So as far as myself, when it comes to the ASUM presidency, um, the most important role I feel of that position is being a voice of the students and being a true Grizz at heart. And that's something that I have been. Both of my parents went to the University of Montana. My sister's coming here this fall to study elementary ed. It's like the University of Montana is in my blood. It's something that I've always been. So I've always really been passionate about this university and trying to better it in any instance that I can come in contact with. Um, and that's really what led me to ASUM when I first joined my freshman year. It's no secret that the University of Montana has been in a difficult moment of history um, for the last multitude of years and even going forward, all the universities are going to be with the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's going to require someone that has not only a love and a passion for this university, which I've had my entire life, but also someone who is experienced with ASU. I have been on for three years, three separate administrations. I've been through three budgeting cycles. I was serving as an ASUM senator when UM Productions was still in existence. And so this crisis with COVID-19 is going to require your next ASUM president to be a student that has leadership experience with ASUM. And I am the senator that has had one of, if not the most experience on Senate in terms of breadth and in terms of length. Additionally, I mean, that's one of the reasons that led me to run for ASUM president. But as well as seeing what happens at the level of ASUM, when a resolution goes through and then it goes up to the administration level and seeing oftentimes that those resolutions that are passed and the voice of the students that is expressed through these resolutions, the follow through is not always consistent when it comes up to that administration level. And I feel as though a lot of, or some of the choices that are being made by those in positions of power on campus are being made without student engagement and are being made without a student voice to provide that choice for those students. And that's what has really led me to run for this position and to be the voice of the students to make positive change where student voices are involved. Um, so that's kind of a long um, drawn out answer, but to answer the second part of your question, James is right. I did approach James to run, I think that was back in January. So it had been a hot second. And I was drawn to James for the passion that he has for ASUM. Like me, he also joined his freshman year. So he's been a, a veteran for quite a while. And also his ability to lead specifically the Board of Member Organizations Committee. That is one last year that I chaired. And I know the difficulties that that committee can bring and the power and responsibility that it holds, not only for our student groups, but for the entire ASUM Senate when it comes to budgeting processes and James been able to handle that committee and really to guide it through um, the budgeting session and into this difficult moment of the COVID crisis with ease and um, with a passion that I really admire. And we'll see his resolution that'll come to the floor this week on ASUM to modify the recognition process. And that's something that is very much long overdue and I'm very proud of him for bringing that to the floor. Yeah, James, do you want to go into a little bit about what um, that committee is? And if you would like to um, say a little bit about that resolution, um, feel free. Totally, yeah. So the Board on Member Organizations is the board or committee um, that 
oversees all recognition and student group matters for ASUM. So uh, anytime that a student group wants to get recognized by ASUM to receive the benefits of being a recognized student group, such as budgeting, um, funding for other items outside of their budget or uh, the free uh, rooms in the UC and whatnot, um, they have to come through ASUM to get that recognition. And that's just as simple as filling out uh, the presence agreement, treasurer's agreement, advisor's agreement, and then a recognition form, and then later turning in your governing documents to us. Um, and then what the board on member organizations does is look through all of those uh, excuse me, all those forms, make sure that everything in that content, in, in those forms have content that uh, align with the ASUM policies for student groups to be recognized. Um, and then we forward them on to the Senate and the Senate uh, confirms the recognition. And then from there, they're a fully recognized student group and they can receive all those benefits. Um, however, we've had a lot of issues with this uh, recognition process in terms of how broad it is and how much discretion it gives the board on member organizations. Right now, how the uh, sort of process works is that the board has two decisions to either recognize a student group or not recognize a student group. And one, that's really harmful. It's a, it's kind of a really like hard di uh, dichotomy, uh, excuse me, a dichotomy to be struck between those, those two actions and no real in between. Um, and on top of that, there's been a lot of arguments on Senate for as long as I can remember, and I'm sure Taylor can attest to this too, um, on inclusivity in student groups, in terms of student groups being open to all students on campus um, and being open to uh, having any student join it. Um, there's been a lot of uh, arguments on whether certain student groups really are inclusive or not. Because ultimately, all uh, money that's gathered through the ASUM fee and all allocated to student groups are state funds. And because they're state funds, they have to be uh, given out, divided uh, equitably, excuse me, equitably. And right now, a lot of ASUM senators, as well as some students, even believe that this process is not equitable because there are certain exclusive student groups. So the legislation that I'm hoping to push through the ASUM Senate is um, a restructure of the ASUM recognition process and funding process to be categorical. So what that would do is create three categories for student groups to be recognized under, that'd be inclusive, associate membership, and exclusive. Inclusive and, uh, inclusive and associate membership are pretty similar. The only real difference is if, you're, if you have restrictions to a full membership status, but you still allow students to join at sort of like a half membership status, you'd then be recognized under the associate category um, and the inclusive category just gets priority for funding. So they would be like seen first on the agenda, that kind of thing. If you're recognized under the exclusive category, it would be because you have significant barriers to entry and significant barriers of entry would include uh, required academic affiliation that you don't have any room for. For example, Lambda Paeta, if they required that you had to be a comp studies major and I'm sure they're comfortable with me calling them out, having be a part of their student group. Um, with Lambda Paeta, you have to be a comp studies major. And if they were to, with this future recognition process, if they were to keep it that you have to be a comp studies major no matter what, they would be recognized under the exclusive category. But what I think we can all see would happen instead is that a group like Lambda Paeta is actually going to uh, adopt the associate membership status and have students that are interested about communication studies be able to join 
and learn about communication studies. They just want to get that national recognition through uh, the Lambda Pi Eta Honor Society. Um, so that's two of the main barriers of entry. Um, academic affiliation and national affiliation in terms of like national uh, societies and whatnot. Um, and then the last barrier of entry that's specified are, are dues, semesterly dues above $50. So we figured that the, uh, this was a resolution that the board of member organizations all sort of co-wrote together. And we figured that uh, about $100 a year for a student group is a pretty significant barrier of entry, especially considering the fact that we're all college students and $50 isn't exactly pocket change to the most of us. Um, Outside of that, there's also a lot of room for the board to deliberate on what else might be a further barrier, a significant barrier of entry. So if the pizza eating club requires that you have to eat 500 pieces of pizza before you can join their student group, that may be considered a significant barrier of entry. And then therefore the pizza eating club would be, club would be recognized under an exclusive student group. And so if you're an exclusive student group, you still get access to uh, the special allocations account. Um, so that you could still hold events that are open to all of campus. Um, you just won't get access to the other budgeting accounts such as uh, STIP or travel requests. And that's just due to the concerns on equitably funding like the resolution originally brought up. Um, and this is all to address what the majority of people believe is a flawed recognition system. Will there be an appeals process um, through that? Because like in your in that uh, comm group example you gave, you know, they could, you know, amend, say, maybe their own um, bylaws or governing documents to allow in more people. Um, and so would they have to reapply or is there an appeals process outlined in the yes. resolution? There is an appeals process outlined in the resolution. The uh, student group, if they felt that they uh, were recognized under the wrong category, can come forward and choose to appeal to the ASUM Senate during the business manager's report and it would be confirmed by a two-thirds vote. And so I see that, um, I guess, under your platform, you have a lot about um, being um, an advocate for students. And Taylor, I kind of wanted to specifically ask you, um, you had mentioned that some resolutions get passed in Senate and maybe, and you know, because they are resolutions, they're only kind of like strong suggestions. And so the, the further advocating for them um, with administration is largely why they get implemented, I would imagine. But also being an advocate for students is something that um, I think every executive team has campaigned on since I've been on campus. So I'm just wondering how you're planning on differentiating yourself and why you think your advocating tactics may be um, more successful with um, you know, Main Hall than maybe some, of, some others that are running against you guys. For sure. And I think a lot, this is a great question and one that I think all three of the teams were thinking about. Um, and the way that I would answer that question is to look directly at our platform and to look at what we're advocating for, because James and I have made two really cohesive platforms so far. One that addresses kind of our four platform areas of student group sustainability, attention, and reform. And then one of if we are elected, the, one of the first things that we would do is tackle the COVID-19 crisis on campus and how we would go about doing that. So I think what differentiates ourselves from the other sets of candidates that are running is the specific tangibility of our proposals um, because I've had a chance to look at the platforms and ideas of those who are also running for this. And don't get me wrong, they're great proposals and they touch on great areas of campus, 
but they're more of these broad generalization areas that they want to touch about, such as increasing access to service or putting in such and such um, green initiative, but they're very broad ideas. There's a specific instance such as how James and I advocated for decreasing Senate's carbon footprint by going paperless, making all documents digital. That's one of the uniquenesses of our platforms. It's a very specific, tangible thing that we can do. Um, and it can be done immediately. But as far as advocating for students on campus and the role of the ASUM presidency, I wanna go and meet directly with administrators, bring in student support and show them this is how students feel and this is how they feel that this proposal should or should not be enacted. One of the biggest ones that James and I are touching on in our retention category um, underneath our platform is addressing financial aid concerns. And that specifically revolves around, along with others, one main point of um, the financial aid office and administration wanting to move the payment deadline for financial aid forward a week. And while that may have been put on the back burner because of the COVID-19 crisis, that's still a very big issue on campus because if it was moved forward a week, there are not a lot of, many students um, might not be able to pay that on time by moving it forward a week. It'll directly adversely impact study abroad students. Myself, I couldn't pay my financial aid bill until my transcripts came in because they had to review them for grade eligibility and those didn't even come in until a week after um, that financial aid payment deadline. So if it had got moved forward a week, I probably wouldn't be a student right now. And that's something that's going to involve the voice of the ASUM president, even on issues that they might not even be personally affected by. In the instance of financial aid, that is one that I'm acutely aware of because it directly affected me. But the job of the ASUM president when advocating for students is going to be going and meeting with students, one-on-one -on -one interactions, going into student groups, contacting students on campus via email to get the voice of all students. And that's been done to a varying degree in the past with the three presidents that I've seen. And that's something that I would like to build on the precedents that I've established, but further increase that outreach. So do you wanna um, go a little bit more um, into kind of your platform tenant that, that you've kind of gathered under the idea of retention? Um, because I know that's a pretty campus-wide conversation that's been happening. It's not only an administration conversation, but um, departments are, are having that as well. So I think it's something that's kind of on everybody's mind. For sure. So James and I can kind of split this in half. Um, so I'll start with the financial aid component of it. And I think finances are a very important aspect of being a student. And they're one that for me personally, as, um, as a student has caused me stress in the past. So one of the big points we'd like to advocate um, against is, as I stated, moving the deadline forward, but especially in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis, we want to advocate for financial forgiveness for students, especially during this time, um, to look toward refunds to um, support the creation of a director of student employment on campus. Um, current President Abigail Belcher wrote that resolution um, to provide the voice of students, and that's one that it went through the Relations and Affairs Committee yesterday on Sunday, and it's one that the ASUM Senate will see on Wednesday. And it's one that James and I are in full support of to make sure that student employees can 
have a single voice that can speak for them instead of each of their individual employers um, to provide sort of that groundwork, that framework for all students to have on our campus. And that's one issue that we would like to solidly advocate um, advocate for. So simply students can then stay enrolled because they can pay their tuition bills, because they can pay rent, they can pay to live as a student. So I'll let James touch on the second part of our attention and then I'll wrap it up the third. Yeah, yeah. So another really big issue that we're hoping to uh, point our efforts to in terms of retention is mental health because I believe I speak for most people in saying that mental health is a pretty big barrier in terms of uh, college education retention. As such, we are hoping to really address that issue by using a lot of the um, excuse me, a lot of the infrastructure that we already have in place. Uh, for example, just this year, the Mental Health Advocacy and Education Committee was established, and I was one of the really big supporters of the establishment of that committee um, because I think it's a great committee and I think it has the ability to do some really great things for our campus, especially considering how big of an issue mental health is not just in college campuses, but in Montana. Um, however, this committee did have a couple issues just with getting off of the ground and getting started this year, and that's to be expected with a brand new committee. Um, as such, next year, uh, we are hoping to really give that committee direction and really support that committee in terms of helping it get a lot of uh, new projects and events to work on. There were a couple that it had uh, getting ready to go right before the COVID-19 crisis, unfortunately. Um, I played a really big part in that in just with um, the service that I had uh, already serving on that committee. Um, and basically, as a student vice president, what I'd like to do is get what we had going on for that committee tenfold, much have it going much more with much more events, projects, and uh, other sort of happenings in that committee. Um, one project that I had in the committee that I think will be able to be better pursued in the uh, position of ASUM Vice President is a project that would be pursuing a university sponsorship for mindfulness apps. The one that we have in mind is the mental health app Headspace. Um, basically all it is is it walks you through daily meditation and studies have proven to excuse me have shown that it's proven to help with mindfulness and um, other gains in terms of mental health and self-care so by having it on our campus and having a sponsorship for it we could see um, unprecedented gains in terms of how it could aid our students with mental health uh, and if the so the exact project would be going to the computer fee committee or a different organization on campus, but probably the computer fee committee and getting say a hundred or so uh, sponsorships, uh, subscriptions to the app. And then having students that are feeling concerned about their mental health, concerned about their mindfulness could then go into Curry Health Center and just apply for a sponsorship to the app. And then they would get access to Headspace or Calm or any other of the uh, meditation mindfulness apps. Um, and I think that this is a project that can be pursued very well um, in the capacity of ASUM executives in terms of the voice and the uh, abilities that we would have um, on the UM campus. 
Under that same umbrella, you have also included representing freshman voices. And I'm interested in kind of any strategies or tactics you have come up with for reaching freshmen, because I know that they're new to campus, they're just figuring stuff out, and they don't necessarily know, you know, where the ASUM office and stuff, so it's hard for them. They're not, they're not quite as plugged in. So, yeah, I'm interested to hear how you're going to try to reach out to them specifically. I wasn't here um, when this discussion was happening, but James was one of the avid supporters of establishing a freshman seat um, kind of on ASUM that's specifically reserved for a freshman student. And that's something that if I had been here, um, I would have been an ardent supporter of. Um, and that's a really important voice to have on our campus, especially the mountain campus where a lot of the students on campus are freshmen and they're ones that are impacted by ASUM every single day. So one, two of the ideas that I had, one is one that already kind of happened, so I'd like to continue and expand that. The other is one that hasn't really been approached um, yet. So to start, I would like ASUM senators to go into the freshman seminar and talk with students who are in that freshman seminar getting exposed to the University of Montana, the inner workings of being a college student, being a freshman, being a Grizz, living away from home and tell them about all the services that ASUM has and ways to get involved on our campus and the ways that their voice can amplify the voices of others by serving on that body. If I had been here last fall, that is um, an activity that I would have participated in had I not been in Belgium, but it's something that I would like to continue going forward. The second piece that I have under this is I would like to go into the residence halls and speak with freshman students during their floor meetings. And I think it's a great way for ASUM to get freshmen engaged during the time when they're meeting with their resident assistant. They're going over the rules and the guidelines of living dormitory housing, especially for many, this might be their first time living away from home, living with others. So that is an important transition and that's one where ASUM can, um, can help and be a voice there. So that is a place where I'd like to explore as well that could improve our relationship with UM Housing, amplify that connection there, and further increase uh, cross-campus collaboration. So those are two initiatives that I have, but if James has any others, I'll turn it over to him. Yeah, no, I think Taylor wrapped it up really well and uh, really explained what we're hoping to pursue with the uh, reaching out to freshmen in terms of the retention rate, because they are one of the most at-risk groups for retention. Um, outside of what he said, I would just say that ASUM would look more into us uh, doing more uh, community events on campus to involve more freshmen and get m freshmen more involved with the idea of the UM community and the idea of UM as their home. So that way they're more apt to stay after that uh, fall to spring hump. And uh, from there, we see uh, after they stay their first year, we start to see really big gains in retention. Um, as well as if the uh, referenda were to be passed on the freshman uh, seat on Senate, the reserved freshman seat, I think that there's a lot of room to explore possibly doing an election for that freshman seat um, during orientation or right after orientation or sometime right around that when freshmen are first getting to campus. That way they can get a better idea of what ASUM is and what ASUM does for them by seeing the sort of uh, advocacy that they can approach and take part in 
by running for an ASUM senator. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an election. It could just be the interviews as well. That's something that I believe was left up to presidential appointment, um, but I could be wrong. Uh, but I definitely think that it's a project, an, an idea worth pursuing if that uh, referenda were to be passed. Sorry, I got a phone call. I got distracted. But um, so I was wondering if we could go into a little bit your sustainability platform. I know you mentioned Taylor doing a paperless Senate, and I know I've seen those big, thick binders that you guys keep. So I'm very interested on how you envision that transition. And then you also have outlined a plastic ban and uh, paper towel composting. Paper towel composting maybe seems the easiest um, of all of them compared to a plastic ban. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'll start with the first part of going paperless and then I'll turn the plastic bag ban over to James because he has some figures and statistics there. But as far as going paperless, you're right, I remember my freshman year, when we even have the cover letters in there and the binders were like 500 pages thick. So we have done a better um, job in since three years of making ASUM more sustainable. But even as far as formal or uh, formal lobbying and final budgeting goes, those binders are still relatively thick when all of those documents could then be scanned. Um, they could be emailed to senators. We can have university laptops, for example, during the meetings that just aren't connected to internet that ASUM senators could use to take notes. They could use it to pull up documents, to read the cover letters, pull up the agenda. I think one of, it's weird to say, one of the positives that has came out of the COVID-19 pandemic is to show how ASUM meetings can be run digitally. It was because of course there are some hiccups along the way, but, for the most part, it has worked. All the documents have been digital, especially through Zoom. Well, I'm not maybe at the point yet where I think all meetings should be on Zoom. It is definitely within our capability to have all of the documents in and of itself be digital. I mean, as an example, to even run for ASUM president, if COVID-19 hadn't have happened, I would have had to fill out multiple pages of paperwork to file to run for president. And that's something that could very much be digital and we could file it online. And that's something that COVID-19 has done and set a great precedence that we could continue going forward. But as far as the plastic bag ban, I'll turn that over to James to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, totally. Um, so the plastic bag ban was something that I first heard about and first got wind of when I first joined ASUM about... November of 2018. And I heard about the plan for the plastic bag ban through Morgan Corkish, who was the then chair of sustainability. And um, it was a project that the sustainability committee was pursuing, but to my knowledge, it was unfortunately um, dropped just due to the turnover with the changing years from going to the, um, the changing administration that is and the changing senators with how we all sort of turned over to the new administration. It just got um, dropped through that change, which is totally understandable and fine. However, I think it's something that we can definitely pursue because we have the infrastructure in place to already pursue it. Freshmen at orientation already get reusable bags that they can use anywhere on campus. So there's no reason to be really wasting the money on these plastic bags as freshmen or other people that live on campus get access to reusable bags and they are mostly going to be the people that are uh, 
most utilizing the different UM dining options, such as the food zoo, um, the corner store, the market, and I believe sometimes the cafeteria has plastic bags. I'm not as sure on that as I don't eat there very often. Um, however, even outside of freshmen and those that live on campus already having access to reusable bags, we can see that we can get more reusable bags for campus very easily. A figure that I saw during my time on the sustainability committee showed that we could get about 2,000 reusable bags that are branded with the UM logo and UM colors for about $2,500, which frankly is a drop in the bucket for ASUM in terms of um, the money that it would save and uh, the sort of the access that we have to STIP and other funding uh, processes. So we can fund about, we can get a large amount of reusable bags on campus very really easily that we can then disseminate to students and cut down on all plastic bag use on campus. Um, on top of that, the money that we would save from going paperless could also be put towards getting more reusable bags. Right now, uh, during our last final budgeting session, ASUM paid about $900 for uh, printing, which is a, a bit asinine, to be honest, um, especially with the uh, capabilities that we have to go paperless. Right now, all of our committees are paperless. So it doesn't make sense for our overall greater ASUM Senate to not be paperless. As uh, Taylor said, we have been paperless with the COVID-19 crisis. So we can, it's definitely something that we have the capabilities to pursue in the greater overall ASUM Senate. Um, so by saving that $900, we can put that towards more reusable bags. And after we begin to ban plastic bags, I think that we can take a much bigger look at the plastic infrastructure that's in place on campus. Um, one point that's been brought up to us is that certain cups claim to be compostable at, at certain UM dining locations when they are not compostable. So that's sort of this false claim that these cups have. So I think that there's a lot of room to exchange those cups with actual compostable cups, as well as take a look at other plastic infrastructure that's on campus and begin to replace it with actual sustainable infrastructure. This could be done with the uh, silverware. This could be done with um, plastic lids and otherwise. It, it, it's a conversation that needs to be started. And I think it's a conversation that can be started through the plastic bag ban. Another way that can be started is through the compost project. And I think Taylor can expand on that a bit better than myself. I can touch on it a little bit. So this is a resolution that I wholeheartedly support, was proud to vote for it in both Relations and Affairs Committee, which I serve, and the ASUM floor. It is actually a resolution that I serve as one of the sponsors of because I'm a wholehearted believer um, in the language and the project that this resolution is implementing. So the background on this resolution is that there's a couple buildings on campus, most notably the Clapp building, that has been composting the bathrooms from the, or composting the bathrooms, composting the paper towels in the bathrooms to decrease the University of Montana's carbon footprint. And Senator Medina wrote a great resolution on expanding that program that those buildings do on campus to the entire um, university as a whole. And so if this resolution were to pass, it would greatly decrease our carbon footprint and the infrastructure is really already in place. It just now requires going around to all the departments and contacting them and seeing how these paper towels can be brought forward from um, those buildings and composted here in Missoula. So what will happen going forward is since this resolution passed the ASUM Senate, 
it's now going to require action on the next ASUM president to speak with the custodial union on campus about implementing this project and then um, seeing it through and its follow through. So that's one um, uh, issue on campus that I'm wholeheartedly in support of and I'm really proud that I was able to vote it forward and if elected, that is one of the first projects that I would go about um, implementing in its next stages. And I'd just like to point out with our sustainability um, platform as a whole, granted our platform as other, another candidate team, we don't have six steps to make a better UM, but what I feel makes our platform unique when it touches on sustainability is like I pointed out the specific tangibility of our proposals and the specifics that they have to address sustainability on campus and they won't require an additional funding source to make them a reality. And I think that's what sets James and I apart with our sustainability platform, the specificity and the financial conservation effect um, of our platform. The next kind of major section I found was your reform section. And I'm For really sure. curious how you plan on tackling kind of reforming the, the culture of Senate. As someone who's been kind of reporting on ASUM and just been a journalist around campus, you know, I think uh, it's, you know, Senate's been around for a long time, even back to when uh, we referred to it as the central board. And so I think we can get entrenched in our ways. And I'm just really curious to see, like, maybe what aspects of the culture you're hoping to, you know, influence and how you how you plan on going about doing that. Yeah, I'd like to start on that, as this has been something that I've been passionate about since about the beginning of this year. Right now, I think that Senate does have a culture problem, and I don't think that's at the fault of any sort of past executives or past Senate teams. I think it's just something that's happened. I think that Senate views, I think that senators come on with the idea of Senate just being a means to an end, of Senate just being a resume builder, which, to be honest, is a bit problematic. Senate is much more than that. It's a public service option to give back to your community and be um, a student leader and a representative for your student body. And that's what Senate needs to be viewed as. But more than that, Senate, ASUM, in all senses of the word, is essentially a student group. And as such, we should be acting more like a team and less like we're coworkers. Um, and I think that there's a lot of room to pursue changes and um, reform Senate to uh, reform that culture and get back to uh, being more like a team, being more um, friendly with each other and viewing each other more as teammates, less than coworkers, and viewing Senate more as a passion for public service and less as a resume builder. Um, and I think that this has been done in the past. Uh, Gwen Kuhn, the current office manager, used to serve as an ASUM senator. And she's told me stories on how uh, back when she was a senator, they would do more uh, retreats and more team building activities than has been done recently. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we should spend $5,000 to get, take every senator up to the snow bowl to go uh, ski and snowboard. I, that's completely out of the idea, as cool as it would be. Um, but I do think that there's room for us to organize activities that don't have to require funding. So, I mean, we even could organize going up to the snow bowl without paying for it through the ASUM fund, but just going on our own personal accord. We can organize more Senate 
events for senators to get together and get to know each other and become teammates. And this, again, this doesn't have to happen with a huge uh, exorbitant trip or retreat. This can just happen within our own facilities, even during um, our, our retreats that we just do in the UC. We can get together and learn more about each other as senators and learn more about each other as people. And that's what I think is one of the most important parts is realizing that everyone on Senate is a person and learning about each other as people so that we can better work together as teammates and become a more efficient, cohesive body. Um, again, I think that's best handled by team building events and having more team building events. But I also think that that can be handled really well by um, expanding on the meetings that the ASUM vice president would have with senators by having the ASUM vice president meet the senators much more often and talk with them more and see what they are struggling with with Senate, what they're enjoying about Senate, what they would like to see changed, if they need help with changing anything or doing anything going forward with Senate. I think that by meeting with senators in that capacity and meeting with multiple senators at a time, we can begin to reform the culture of Senate to have it become that more public service uh, passion project rather than the means to an end resume builder that it is right now. On top of all of that, I think there's a lot of room to take a critical look at Senate processes. Right now, we are a heavily, heavily, heavily bureaucratic body. And I think that gets in the way of a lot of positive change sometimes. We follow Robert's Rules of Orders and Parliamentary Procedure. And I think that uh, both Taylor and I have significant knowledge of that, so much so that I think that we can take a look at both of those processes and begin to take a critical look at them and how to make them better and how to make them easier to understand and easier to work with um, during our Senate meetings. Um, outside of the, the bureaucracy, I think that there's also uh, room to look at funding pr uh, procedures and budgeting procedures and whatnot and try to reform Senate in that aspect to make Senate easier for student groups or other students to access and sort of getting rid of all the vagueness and all the hoops that people have to jump through. I think that right now there's a lot of those um, and there's, it's um, needlessly complex at times. And I think that there's a lot of room to change that. For example, we could put um, more soft deadlines that are easier to sort of work around and move past if a student group misses a deadline for a uh, budgeting or uh, some sort of uh, funding form or something like that. I think that by taking a critical look at those deadlines, we can start to see a much easier way to uh, reform the processes for budgeting and funding. Speaking as um, the candidate for ASUM president, what I would do to do that, a section of my report, I would donate to events on campus. So I work in the student involvement network and what I would usually say during comments at the end, where comments are a time just for senators to say about their lives, what's going on, just to keep it more wholehearted. I would use a lot of my comments to say, okay, the Student Involvement Network is putting on this really great event. I would love to see all of you attend and all of these different events that are happening on campus. And I would like to use a section of the president's report to tell all the senators, hey, this department is putting on this really cool event. Hey, the Student Involvement Network is putting on this cool event, the Women's Resource Center, to make senators aware so maybe they can go with a couple or maybe ASUM can arrange um, for senators to go to these events kind of as a group to build camaraderie, to build friendship. And additionally beyond that, I would like to see ASUM senators individually as a group going in and talking with student groups and sitting and observing and acting as 
an ex officio, someone who doesn't vote, just kind of being there to observe and talk. And that's something that I think ASUM can arrange. Maybe even one meeting, we go and speak with a specific student group or we arrange for a separate time later that week or you go in a couple times throughout the semester because not only does that build this kind of cohesive framework with all of the senators, it makes the student groups know that we care about them, that we are representing their interests and that we are willing, able, and we want to go in and talk with them. And I think that's something great that the body could implement. And it's something that I would advocate for if elected. And then kind of my last platform question is, you have something on here about consolidating committee responsibilities. And I don't know if this is something that James has been thinking about more, just because the vice president does manage the Senate a little more closely. And I know there are way more committees than I think your average student would ever imagine within the university, whether that's faculty committees, um, kind of like admin committees, and then even ASUM committees. So I'm kind of interested to hear what your, um, what your plans are for that. So I think that we, there's a lot of room for us to take a look at our committees and consolidate responsibilities in terms of seeing what can be done where. So a big, and a big example of this that I think is really great to look at is the website upkeep committee. I've been the chair of the website upkeep committee for about a year and a half now. Um, and I do all of the work on my own because there's really only enough work for one person in that committee. Um, and there's not really a need to meet with the other people on that committee or really like try to divvy out assignments because really this is something that I can do just in like two hours, one night, and then I won't have work for like weeks after that. Um, so I think that there's room for this to be maybe for the responsibilities of the website upkeep committee to be divvied out to either an executive. So if I were to come on as ASUM vice president, I can continue doing that as in my vice president capacity, or we could have the responsibilities for this committee be handed to um, the marketing and outreach committee. Um, and a market, the marketing and outreach committee is another point in which committee consolidation could be, responsibility consolidation can be taken uh, really critical look at. I was also the chair of the marketing and outreach committee for about a semester or so. I had to step down to due to my uh, candidacy as vice president. But during my time as the chair of marketing and outreach, I kind of took it upon myself to do everything myself. Because again, it was just easier. It wasn't the kind of thing that I could just um, allocate to other people. The only time that I really worked with other members on that committee was when we were tabling and I needed, I actually physically needed other people there. Um, but outside of that, I could have done, I did all of the social media handling myself. So I think that there's room for that to either be um, for us to explore offering an internship of some kind to um, marketing students who do the marketing for ASUM or to maybe instead into um, dividing that committee up into two separate committees. One would be the marketing committee, which focuses on doing all the uh, sort of social media handling, flyers, that kind of thing. And then the outreach committee, which would do um, outreach events, um, putting on table, or excuse me, putting on events that outreach to students and perform outreach to the community, as well as tabling around the UC or around the Oval or whatnot. Um, I think that tabling is one of the biggest responsibilities of that committee. Um, so by sort of dividing that out into more consolidated responsibilities, we could see um, the 
sort of point in charge of that committee be accomplished much easier. Um, and this can be said for a variety of other committees as well, in terms of just taking a critical look at them and seeing how they can be consolidated and how their responsibilities and charges can be much more pointed. And going forward with the university committees, which is more of the purview of ASUM president, there's a lot of those committees that don't even meet. And I think maybe not even putting them on the website or speaking with the chair and saying, hey, are you planning on this committee to meet anytime soon? So senators can know when they do their planning, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't add on this committee or maybe I can because it maybe actually is going to meet. I know there were a couple of committees that I last year um, as a senator that I got added and was really excited about serving on, but then the committee never met and I couldn't really get in contact with people. It was still listed on the website. So trying to even consolidate that for senators would be a great resource. My last questions are kind of related to the current pandemic that we're all going through. Um, I know you've mentioned it kind of throughout your different you know, the conversation and stuff, but I'm wondering how the coronavirus has impacted your platform and kind of how you're looking at advocating and connecting with students next year, and then how it's changed how you campaign. Um, so I guess I can talk about the impact that it's had on our platform. We've had to go uh, completely digital due to the shelter in place and other guidelines that have been given to us, um, which is fine. We're very comfortable with a digital campaign and we're very happy to do so in the wake of this unprecedented time that we all find ourselves in. Um, and we have had a couple issues with trying to go digital. Um, Instagram has not been a very friendly platform to us, unfortunately, um, in terms of just trying to get things to work. Um, but despite that, we're still seeing really positive outreach to uh, the student body. We've seen a lot of endorsements for our campaign come through that can be found on our Instagram under the student support tab. Um, and we've seen a lot of video endorsements come through in terms of students to, um, that wish to endorse our campaign, uh, just taking a video of themselves and talking about why they support the, why they would support a Gregory Flanagan administration and why they plan on voting for us. And because of that, we've been able to see really positive uh, uh, growth for our campaign and really positive support behind us that I think can speak for itself come uh, April 22nd and April 23rd. James and I would love going forward to if professors are very gracious enough to let us come in via Zoom and just give a couple minute spiel on this is who we are, this is why we're running, these are the issues that we're talking about, please vote for us on April 22nd, 23rd, um, because normally we would do class wraps um, in person, however now those are going to have to be done via Zoom to let us do that. Additionally, we hope to reach out to student groups and see if maybe we can Zoom into a meeting or create a video of us to share with them via social media, or if we can write something up like a paper statement and have them pass it along to their members. So really a large portion of this cap campaign is going to be digital presence and how much outreach and awareness we can reach um, for students. And while it's unfortunate because there are students on campus who don't have social media, who have limited technological access, and that I feel is a hindrance of the campaign because it's going to be difficult to involve those voices of the students in the election as a whole. And that's something that we're all trying to work toward increasing their involvement in this election.
But as far as when it comes to our platform, as of right now, James and I are the only candidate team that has released a pol policy proposals if the day one we're elected, how we plan on impact or how we plan on addressing COVID-19 here on our campus. The other candidates have sprinkled it in throughout their platform, but James and I have created a solid cohesive plans and policies on how we seek to address that. So we seek to do that through financial accessibility, um, protecting student employment, boosting digital education communication, supporting our student groups and expanding mental health services on campus. And I feel that by doing this, this way, these are the immediate issues that we're going to address upon taking office because they are the immediate issues that impact every UM student, um, all of us at this exact moment. And so that's something that James and I are humbled to announce. And those are all policy proposals that we would implement and work toward implementing day one if we're elected. So uh, before we end our call here, I just wanted to open it up to both of you in case you have anything to add, maybe a question I didn't ask. Yeah, I guess I really just want to touch on how experienced and qualified that I believe Taylor and I are for the position. I, I think that each candidate has some great policies and plans. However, I think that if you look specifically at the Gregory Flanagan campaign, you'll see much more tangible, much more pointed plans that have a very specific direction. And I don't think that you're seeing that with our uh, opponents. Um, that being said, policies and plans are not exclusive. So there's not really any sort of dib system. I mean, um, just because we're running on the uh, platform of a plastic bag ban doesn't mean that a different executive team can't also do a plastic bag ban if they're elected. If it's what the students want, it should be done no matter what, no matter who's elected. So if we're elected and uh, students want us to go forward with any of our opponent's policies, you can be 100% sure that we will. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that policy shouldn't be taken into consideration when a student's trying to figure out how to vote. I think that's a very important point. And again, I'd like to point to the fact that we have the most uh, grown and the most uh, detailed plans and policies for our campaign as compared to our opponents. But I think that what voters should also take into consideration is how and who will be the most effective in enacting these policies. And I can guarantee you that it's going to be the team that have five years of ASUM experience between them. It's going to be Taylor and myself. Um, and you can see this within the four platforms that we're running on. Yeah, and I guess as a final remark on myself, to our Grizz community, I wanna say thank you for your support so far um, and for your willingness to be involved with the election and to look into all of the candidates who are running for your executive leadership and for ASUM Senate. And if you wanna be involved with ASUM, I would highly, highly encourage you to run for, um, to be a senator. There are still Senate uh, seats open. So I'd highly encourage you to um, throw your hat in the ring and run to be a part of your student government. So to address an issue that impacts us all, I wanna talk a little bit about COVID-19, how it has impacted all of us. Um, it has impacted me as a student, it has impacted all of us. And James and I know the difficulties that this pandemic has posed for the election, for campus, for really all of us um, and all of our Grizz family. And while it's impossible to list all the plethora of ways that this pandemic has impacted our campus, impacted our individual self and all of us around us, 
James and I just highlighted six areas of campus that are of immediate focus and priority to us for as many students as it impacts. And we hope that you can check those out, send us feedback. We highly encourage that. And just know that we will get through this together. So James and I are here, we understand, and we wanna lift up your voices to the administration, to the Board of Regents level, and to know that all of our Grizz voices matter. So I just wanna say that um, UM might be in a difficult moment of history with the pandemic, but. People wanna find you on social media, follow your campaign. Where would they go? What would they, what would they look up? For Facebook, you would go to Gregory Flanagan ASUM 2020. And then for Instagram, you would go to vote underscore Gregory Flanagan. And we are going to be doing a live Q&A session every Sunday leading up to the election. And that will take place at noon on Sunday on Instagram Live. So I encourage students to come to us there, give us some feedback, ask us some questions so that we can get a good discussion going with our constituency. Thanks for meeting me, uh, meeting with me over Zoom um, and uh, talking to um, everybody about your platform. And again, just for everybody, uh, the elections are April um, 22nd and 23rd, um, and they'll be on the UMontana app. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes will be dropping every week. You can listen to The Clambake on air by tuning into KBGA 89.9 Missoula, going online at kbga.org, or listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This episode was edited and produced by me, your host, Madeline Broom. Special thanks to Jazar for the music used in The Clambake. All music was sourced from the Free Music Archive. <laughs>